Well, hello there. What's up? This is Ergo. It is indeed. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And what we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative. We do that. We've been doing that. And uh, we will continue to do that. <laughs> <laughs> How you feeling, Damon? Man, I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, that weird, like, groggy tired where, like, technically I had enough hours of sleep, <laughs> but physically... I did not have enough hours of sleep. So let me ask you this. Do you think there's any truth to the thing of like sleeping too much means that you then get tired again? Like if you sleep 11 hours, are you tired? Um, yeah, I think that's like, I think that just means you're like, your you're like hormone levels and stuff is off and there's no amount of sleep that won't get that fatigue. But that's not what happened. I slept like within that seven to nine hour pocket. Uh, kind of broke up a little bit, but mm. yeah, I don't know. I just realized recently that sometimes when I'm tired, it's just I'm overwhelmed and my body's like, shut it down. Yeah, we can't handle this. I am uh my my uh, political platform is more naps. <laughs> That's a very popular position. Oh, I feel yeah. like you could yeah free pizza and naps. Bring vote, that vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> if it worked in student politics, <laughs> it worked it on the everywhere. federal level. Yeah. <laughs> we have a great guest here today, but first a couple. Community announcements. Uh, there is the next edition. It actually is happening three times this week. There's one today on Saturday, and then I think next Wednesday, Open TV is doing these open work sessions uh, called Meet and Work with Open TV. They're at Reunion Chicago. That's 2557 West North. So if you're interested in getting into TV, film, web series, screenwriting, already have something you're working on, that's a great place to be is this an open tv open house yeah i think they i think they knew they were making that double on <laughs> uh, and then on the 16th that's also today this evening at 6 30 at the west side justice center is a screening of whose streets um, and that's co-hosted by free right arts and literacy and the west side justice center so if you haven't seen that doc i know it's been making the rounds and screened many places here's another opportunity to see that and then on saturday also at Reunion Chicago is the next edition of the Hood Wazee. This one is titled Innovation, Technology, and Autonomy. Breakdown guest is Chris Rudd, and the featured guest is the legendary Dr. Hakeem Adabudi. Uh, Soul Patches, Ergo Alum, is the guest. And uh, as always, I will be making sure that nothing explodes there. And then on the 18th also at 9 p.m. at Hungry Brain up north at 2319 West Belmont, Tasha is doing a headlining show. If you're not going to be at Hoodwazi, that's where you should be. Also on Saturday, if you aren't at either of those places, is the next uh, Black Magic Kickback. You want to mention anything about that? Yeah, so um, Black Magic Kickback 1, it is just a place to come, feel free, turn up, have a good time, chill out. Uh, but we always are raising funds in some type of intentional way. So either for rehab for a space or some type of cause or injury that's happened. Uh, and so this week we're going to be supporting... <clears throat> Tweek Harris and her family, they are expecting a new life. Uh, they also have other things going on with already existing lives that we want to support. <laughs> so come if you got love for Tweek, who we've had on the show. Even old lives need yeah, help. Yeah, all lives. No. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me there. You, you, see, that's, you see, that's how they get you. That's how they yeah, get you. So come, come uh, rock with Tweek. And before that, during the day, uh, I want to say at, <laughs> at five. <laughs> I want to say at five o'clock at Breathe the Room, we're having another uh, Freedom Circle uh, dinner and dialogue. This is in collaboration with the R Three Coalition. So we're going to be talking about No Cop Academy in general, abolitiony stuff. 
And I, I believe Ergo Alum Ethos will be there. Yes, shout out to Ethos. And then also at Breathing Room Space on Sunday is the next Take Back the City organizing training. That's at 5 p.m. And that's all I got. That's all we need. We have everything. That we need. Oh, my God. We've been doing this too long. You want to uh, you want to go ahead and, and bring our very special guest into the conversation, <laughs> yes. Damon? Yes. Here with us, we have a delight. Quite quite the energy whenever whenever she enters the room very excited to have her here um and wearing a a, a striking <laughs> flowing garment mm-hmm. i don't even know what this garment One is called might call it a tunic ah okay i respect that <laughs> i don't think i know enough of what a tunic is for me to call it a tunic but, but one might one might. <laughs> everybody wherever you are make some noise we got morgan malone in the building so, hey guys. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. So, Thanks. Uh, we, we always. Ever oh, wow. you we deserve should. it and so much more. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we always like to start here, Ergo, with a two part question. Uh, so, in this time, and define time however you want. So, that could be this hour, this day, week, season, lifetime. Hmm. However, however, it strikes you. How is the world treating you? And how are you treating the world? Mm. Gotcha. The world is treating me mixed. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's mixed. Um, but I am treating the world with a lot of grace and understanding and hoping that I get that back. Mm. Do you want to, you don't have to, of course, but do you want to talk anything about that mix? What's that mixture looking like? What's in the mix? What's in the, <laughs> um, in the mix? Getting swirled around in the mix. <laughs> you know what? I think that yeah, life just kind of sometimes has its simultaneous peaks and valleys and that just kind of is what it is. And so the universe is doing what it does all the time. And so I don't think I'm one of a kind with it mixed, well, you you're know? You're the person we're being inter- that we're in. <laughs> so you are one of a kind yeah, at this moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least one of 149. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I mean, you, you obviously don't have to get into specifics. I feel very similarly. Do you feel similarly? I do. I mean, we're, we're in the mix. Yeah, we're, we're in the mix. Very mixy. Yeah, we're, we're getting into some uh, ancient philosophy here. The whole duality of life, the yin and the yang. That's kind of that's kind yeah. of what most uh, like religious and and spiritual concepts root from that there's like a, a plus and a negative and they're always Imbalance. at tension. Yeah. So I think, I think you know it right on the head. I think, <laughs> I think, I think we know where we're at. So to that point, actually, this is just something I've been thinking about is in like real world application of that, knowing that you need kind of those two sides. So then I know that's a very binary way to think about, it, but it's not, it doesn't have to be like there's one side and the other, and then you meet in the middle. But when you have like a kind of clear sense of what the world's supposed to be, I don't know. How do you each, as people who do organizing stuff, and I think about it for me too, think about knowing that there, if that's the way like all philosophy and ancient everything and everything that's true works is that there's a balance. Uh, how do you think about that in terms of your ideas of like, for me, what it grounds in me is that I clearly don't know everything and that my understanding has to be coupled with other people's understanding that is different and maybe opposed to mine. How do you how do you how do you think about that balance in the work you do? It's a crazy question. I understand. What do you, you think? You, you pointed to me. Uh, I got this weird sentence in my head. I don't mean to go off the rails, but like, um, there try, are no rails. There are no rails. Uh, <laughs> trying to accept what I can't tolerate 
and I know that that sounds like that doesn't oh, make sense, you. right? But like, you know, there are a lot of things think about human behavior, uh, about like collective systems that I think are intolerable, but like not being overwhelmed by them, not always having to fight it, right? Like to accept that that's what it is. Um, And to some extent that, you know, that's what it's always going to be. But even though it's going to remain, it can still change and improve. So, so, So to not tolerate it, but having some like ease and some acceptance, at least in how I operate. So I don't go crazy or that, you know, you're not always, cause you know, then you become kind of, you, you get sucked up in it. Right. So like, if you're trying to uh, always oppose this negative, then you're in this just like perpetual oppositional thing and you end up opposing the people around you and the things around you. So like trying to have some balance in that way. Yeah. You know what? My mentor. Um, Who's your mentor? Sandra Finley. Shout she out to is, Sandra Finley. She's the mom. She's the CEO of the League of Black Women. Proud League Women. The Women. League of Black Women. League of Black Women. It's, it's a national super- organization. <laughs> it's, it's super dope. Uh, they, League of Extraordinary People. <laughs> <laughs> Proud League member. Um, and she always says that it takes so much work to vision. She's always like, don't sell yourself short for just visioning. Like, there's so, uh, equal work in trying to create a world and think about a world as much as there is equal work in doing the thing. Um, and so don't ever beat yourself up for not always wanting to be the worker bee as much as you are the person that imagines. Because it's just, you know, a system of things that are already assembled that are like, this is how it's going to be to take that time to say, this is what it could be. This is what it's not. And this is where we could go if we all take some space to imagine. Mm-hmm. That's like... Not comfortable, obviously, for so many people. So always kind of wrestling with this space of we could be imagining so much more. We can do so much more. We can be so much more. Um, And then crafting what that looks like and being okay with like, yeah, I'm going to design it. Yeah, I'm going to vision it. I'll do some work on it. But I need you to do some work, too. And you can help with the vision, too. It doesn't have to just be me. And like also finding that vision, but that like neat space between like, hey, I have an idea and everything should be collective impact and collaboration. And so that's also difficult too, because I feel, I do believe that everything should be collective impact and collaborative design. Um, but I also like my de- my ideas. Yeah. And also, some, and also <laughs> so, people don't show up to the group project. That is true. Did, did you answer? I feel like you, you answered in the intro, but do you have more? I mean, I think it's kind of what it's, Rather than getting mad that the world isn't what I want it to be, it's being honest about what the world is and then still figuring out how to push the world toward what I want it to be. But being frustrated that things aren't what I want them to be mm-hmm. is a really time-wasting opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. way to spend your time is to be, like, mad that what I think it should be isn't what it is. It's like, why do you think that it should, like, that it would already be that? Yeah, I'm thinking real, real Adrian Marie Brown, like, be like water. You know, because yeah. like, you know, you think that mountains are immovable, but over time, the water that just flows and accepts the path that is there actually carves a new one in, in the stone. So, oh, yeah, gotta love an analogy. Th- th- there it is. Um, so, Morgan, I'm going to give you a little bit of control or power here because uh, you're a dynamic and interesting person. So how would you like to spend some of this time? Because uh, we can do two things, right? You, you do amazing work with Teamwork Inglewood. And and we we can get into like the nitty gritty of processing where you are right now in the world, but you also like have a very rich and like dynamic back. You have like four or five different <laughs> lives all over. The- so would you rather start by reflecting 
on on your your overall life, or would you like to kind of like exhale and process the the work that you're in the thick of right now? You want to go back? Or you want to stay here? Um, I want to stay here and move forward. Okay, all right. So let's start with teamwork, Inglewood, and the um the, the um the what of the, the something Inglewood of life quality of quality life of life plan. plan. Let's get right <laughs> into it. Let's like let people know Inglewood is um such a like uh, a political space right like mm-hmm. there, there's there's like downtown there's like there's north lawndale and there's inglewood and there's like <laughs> kind of like this little triangle of like how we <laughs> how we think of the city like when we, we talk about problems in chicago you can often like make those spaces the microcosm of what's going on and so you're at you kind of on the front lines of that so what is the quality of life plan and how does teamwork inglewood operate within that it's a 10-year neighbor development effort and we can convene facilitate um those conversations we have five task forces that meet every month that cover everything that a community needs health housing education public safety jobs and economic development and um that work is cool because we can be in residents, we can be in partners, and we can be in organizations. But it's also um, always an opportunity and always a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really getting to the nitty gritty of like what systems change looks like in a neighborhood like Inglewood and then where to go from there. And I know that Damon and I talked a little bit about this on Saturday, but when you pretty much flatten a community, we can talk about anti-gentrification stuff as much as we want to because that's valuable and we want the people who are left to stay but there are so few people that there aren't enough people for people to say we should invest in this place Um, and then they'll be like oh well there's not enough density so we can't bring any retail here and so then you have to create density and so if the people who currently live there don't want to be owners and that's not to say that everybody who lives there doesn't want to be an owner and there's not to say that's there aren't a lot of owners in Inglewood, but there are to say there's a lot of vacancies and a lot of vacant land and a lot of vacant buildings. Um, so to fill those things or build new apartment buildings mm-hmm. when the situation that we're in is the same situation that a lot of other black communities in Chicago are in, um, that like black mass exodus is very real. So then the question is like, where do the people come from? You need people to do all these things and amenities do attract new people, but where do the people come from? And so there's like, I think this is also an interesting time to really be real about conversations about black and brown coalitions, because what I'm saying isn't unique to just black communities. Um, It's happening also in Pilsen. It's happening also in some areas of Bridgeport and McKinley Park and uh, Little Village and other areas where there's uh, majority Latino population. And so just kind of figuring out what happens in our neighborhood and how is that transferable to other people's neighborhoods? And then how do we work together? Because I think when we're saying anti-gentrification, we're saying like, no displacement, but we're also saying preservation of culture. And so then if we can keep the people we have and we've been able to preserve a culture so that anybody else comes in is assimilating to what we've set as opposed to creating something different. Hmm. I think those, I think those are some of our best bets. Um, But that's my work right now is project implementation and those spaces and, and and just really thinking about how do we support residents and organizations to continue to do that work? And then how are we always trying to move the needle on system stuff, whether that's attitude, belief, culture, infrastructure, new developments, whatever, um, 
what's needed to do those things. And that's always a challenge. It's a tricky balance between the, you know, we keep saying nitty gritty, but meaning like the, the logistical actual development work and the culture work that you're talking about. And I think it obviously makes sense for those to go hand in hand, but like in, I would imagine in the urban planning realm, that is less, when they say culture, they mean a restaurant and a mural. They don't mean lineages of people living there. Right. So culture, it just seems like in this, it would be really helpful I'm sure it is for you and maybe even in this conversation to like define a few terms. I think it's both. I think culture is both. I think when we say like a mural, that mural could also be like we, we had, I, we have a new mural actually coming to 63rd and Wallace and we held some design convenings and asked people to design like what they would want that to look like. Mm -hmm. And some of the older members of our community were like, Let's do one woman from this time period. And then she's got her bag from this store that used to be here on 63rd and Halstead. And like, let's have the backdrop be the 63rd and Halstead we knew 10 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago. And then this woman will be from this time period and she'll dress like this because that's what we did. So there, I think a lot of people invested in that history because at the same time, they're like, and let's also embed our newspaper clippings and our family photos and like all of these things inside this thing so that it's here forever so that everybody knows this is our home and this is what it feels like and looks like because culture is culture can be that tangible, but it's also like the experience. Yeah. And, and you, it's one of the only places where you can have, as other things disappear, as buildings go down, as people leave some record, right? Like we don't have many uh, comprehensive records of what's left behind, especially in the city of Chicago. It happens everywhere, but especially here, like things get wiped very, and that's part of that development. But you know what? A part of it is also when we say culture, preserve the culture, we're also saying like we have black clubs. How do we support black clubs to preserve the culture of kids and grandparents being okay with sitting on the stoop and it's safe. It's like, it's so much and it's not just the urban planning and it's not just keeping people where they're at in their homes and affordable housing as much as it is when we're building new homes, do they look like the homes that are here? Are people going to still be able to sit on their porch and their stoop with their families? Those types of things are our culture um, and being thoughtful about that. Yeah. There's no, people can't sit on their stoop if the new houses don't have stoops. Exactly. You know, exactly. Or if every house has gates in front of it, right. you know, or or the gates that are up are not those like low hanging gates mm-hmm. that most communities have as much as they are like 10 foot gates. That's yeah. just like, this is my place. Don't ever come. Yeah. I'm still stuck <laughs> on what nitty gritty came from. Like I get the gritty. What is the nitty of the nitty gritty? I think it's a tribute to nitty Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> I, so here's the 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 challenge. I, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit before on air, but that I kind of see and feel on a day to day is that the the work is so local and so specific and so human and so like this is 6428 and across the street is 6427 and we're like we're gonna deal with those like very real issues, uh, but those issues stem not from 64th street. Right. So like Mm -hmm. you're dealing with, uh, very local planning, but dealing with like global imbalances. Right. So Mm -hmm. we talk about violence. We talk about the movement of capital capital, where you talk about, you know, the labor market or income, you know, like this, it, 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 there is, um, it's a, it's a, you know, 
rock in a hard place type of situation. So how for your spirit, right? Like, or for yourself, how do you ground yourself and um, go back and forth between understanding that there's real things that I need to be done, but the problem that we are responding to is also beyond us. Uh, you know, that, that's, it's, because, a, it's a heavy weight. It's because my North star is experience. Hmm. What do you mean? By is, that? So I think for some folks, they do the work and they are totally steeped in logic. The numbers say X, Y, Z. And that's how they respond top down and sometimes bottom up. Um, Because top down, they're going to do the numbers and the data. Bottom up, we are conditioned to... Um, use the data that the top down gave you. <laughs> and, 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 and engage with that as expertise, yeah. even the, and, and then devalue our expertise in our experiences, in our communities. Um, and then, so when I say that my North Star is experience, how I conceptualize issues and how we tackle them are all on what are people's experiences? How are they, what, how would they describe them? And how do I see them? And then what pieces do I see that contribute to that locally and then in a large way? Mm -hmm. Because the systems part is difficult depending on how bought into the system you are and depending on what you feel the root is of that change, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you think that, so a good example is, there are a lot of people who are upset about the workforce training programs and not having enough trades in schools and creating space for people to do that type of work. And so for those listening at home, there was a very significant eye roll. Yeah, I believe in talent development, um, <laughs> but needless to say, there are a lot of people who are really bought into that. And so then it's like, Hey, we have crime in our neighborhoods. We need jobs. Got it. Hey, we need jobs. People need access to trades and training. Okay. Got it. But we've just created so many worker bees with this trades and training and like, and this is not to devalue anybody who does any type of manual labor at all because somebody has to do it. But ultimately if we say in targeted black communities, we need, we need more trades because that is what you can do as opposed to all of these other professions and broadening that lens. So it's like trades or sports. What can you do? Um, We have a problem, but if you look at this larger system and you don't say, Hey system, why are we fighting for these job training programs or or why is the school system like this? And so now we feel like we have to do trades or why is this like this and whatever, whatever. It's like, all right, come on with the job readiness. So if you could talk, I like that. Hey system. (laughs) (laughs) Because you do kind of get drowned, but let's say, so you're sitting at a table. It's you on one side and the system. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, all right, I have a minute to tell the system. And the system is listening. The system has open ears. The system is like, look, I'm always evolving. I'm open to change. I, I, will, I will do some self-growth here. What are, you, what are you telling the system that like you, right now it feels like you're, whether it's actually yelling up at or just in your work feel like you keep yelling up at. Um, if the system was listening, what would you say? Mm, I would say... Hey, system, we need a wisdom council that can help you execute being thoughtful about experiences. Hmm. And then we need that council to um, help you where allocating resources and things like that are concerned and have some oversight 
over that because I think ultimately that's what everybody keeps asking for is we need oversight over the police. But like, that's, that's not the only type of violence we need oversight over. Um, And that's not the only area that we need clarity on. And those aren't the only areas where like communities really are just totally being shredded. Um, So I think that would be my thing because that's what I keep seeing is we were not being thoughtful about experiences on any level. And it sucks um, because you get into this space and a year ago, I don't know if this would have been my conversation mm-hmm. uh, a year. Well, maybe we are going to do history today. Yeah, Look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a long out, you know, you know? Hey. <laughs> get you eventually a year, <laughs> a year ago, you know, um, I would have been totally invested in the social emotional um, and to some degree policy and some degree, you know, some other urban planning stuff, but I was totally on the ground organizing and I didn't see it this way. Hmm. And I knew that I was interested in the community development, urban planning uh, policy conversation. And so this was a natural transition for me. Um, You were at the nitty, but you weren't at the gritty. Right. (laughs) And I wish that, I wish that things weren't so siloed. Hmm. Like I think externally in our advocacy, we have a long way to go. Um, And systems change among ourselves in the way that, the organizers and the people who are advocating and who know the issues inside and out are not leading our community development corporations. Our community development corporations are led by boomers that don't have a succession plan. Like we are living in a city where every neighborhood has a chamber of commerce or a community development corporation. Most of them are run by baby boomers and up. They're not able to retain millennials and millennials are all in the streets. And so that institutional knowledge and just that conversation of like, we want to imagine a new world, but then there's also like some of this other like technical stuff that's not being infused in that imagine a new world space. Um, Because here's the thing. We imagine a new world. Let's say we imagine a new world. We dismantle everything. It still has politics. Um, And so because we are siloed in how we think about those politics and there's no cross-section of this is what they did before in urban planning and this is what they did before and like all of those technical things to make this work. We could just repeat the same stuff, imagining a new world because everybody does their own thing. I always tell people that it's like, we've got the organizer activist crew, we've got the technical community development crew, and then we have the people who just are dead set on being politicians, just want to be politicians, super ambitious. That's the group that I have the least patience for. The other one, I think, (laughs) so let me actually ask it, because I have my opinion on this, but do you think that us Imagine a New World folks are too dismissive of the community development crew folks? Um, Because I think the conception is that they're dismissive of us. They go like, oh, well, you're being unrealistic and all that stuff. But do you think it works both ways? So I do think it works both ways. I do think both groups are dismissive of each other. But I think a part of that is I don't think all people who are boomers or traditionalists are extremely dismissive of millennials. I think you have a good amount who are still like, hey, we're part of the Black Liberation Movement. We're thoughtful about this. This is the stuff that we can do. Keep going. Um, But... I do think, to a fault, we are dismissive of each other, and it's so unfortunate. How much of that is because 
only it feels like at least to me only the imagined new world folks are critical of capitalism at all like in a community yeah. development i think that's like yeah at least for me when i go oh i'm we're we're yeah. rejecting each other's premises here because y'all are saying we just need more capitalism basically yeah 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 no for sure imagine new world folks are totally <laughs> rejecting capitalism whereas like these the other um community development people are dependent on capitalism to make the change that they want to see in their communities but it's i think what it is is we say this all the time survival is resistance right. and we just see survival differently um and it's interesting to be in that cross-section to see both groups and then try to form my own ideology based on both sets of information because yeah. at the end of the day this group of people wants to survive just as much as the other one does and they've been surviving longer <laughs> and and they're just trying to figure it out and they're just like hey but here's the thing and I say this all the time, this reimagine our world is our talent pool. Like we say in Chicago, there's 60,000 opportunity youth. So people age 16 and 24 that are unemployed and aren't in school. And they're like, where are these people at? These kids are not just like drug dealers or loose square men or like hanging out. A lot of them are in our community organizations volunteering for free. They're at meetings and they're building like this life and they're reimagining the world and they're our talent pool. They're the ones who know the issues. They're imaginative enough to think thoroughly about how to advance our solutions for those issues, but there's no pipeline for those people for jobs more than twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year. Cause like as much as we all have our views on capitalism, the rent man wants his money on time. He never doesn't. <laughs> you know? And and then so it's just kind of like in the meantime, while we do this, how do we create space for those folks to survive? Which yeah. is like what's on my mind. Um, and then how do we create valuation around their talent? so that you aren't forced to do something that's not natural to you for that survival. And so that's always where my mind is. How do we create certifications and evaluation around the talent that people have taken the time and the t to study and build and really gain expertise around? Um, because those are the folks who should be in our city agencies making decisions. Right. So I'm trying to figure out how to, how to, put this in question form, right? Because we we we're we're speaking generally about these like two ideological positions, right? And mm -hmm. I think the the beauty of this conversation is that you more than most can face and communicate and understand both. Right. So I I'm <laughs> outside of like your job and your position, I'm trying to like just go like inside of your body. I'm laughing right. about it because I, I had a conversation <laughs> with Joanzo the other day from I don't Coco. Know. Oh, oh um, Coco show. And well, he he always says, yeah, now that you're the urban planning girl. And it's like, no, he met me four years ago <laughs> when I was not the urban planning girl. <laughs> so he always rags on me about it now. And that was my biggest fear. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest fear coming into this work. What was the fear? Because, you know, I had spent time organizing and building relationships and I had so many friends that are near and dear to my heart who knew me when I was you know still in college and just here figuring out the world for the summer and meeting people and um, they all loved me and took me in and, and cared about me and so I was so afraid that going into this space of policy and urban planning and more of the technical stuff um, would be kind of frowned upon like 
Hmm. Oh, now you're with the crew that wants to gentrify or, you know, now you're with the crew that's like, doesn't value what I have to say or won't take meetings with me or whatever. Um, So I was really concerned about it. And I've honestly just been blessed to Hmm. have um, found a balance and, and, and blessed to have had enough people who felt like they really knew me. Mm -hmm. So it was okay. Um, And the people who dismiss you can be dismissed. And frankly, there weren't very many. And and, 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 and I I honestly can't even really think of anybody who's been like, yeah, we often, (laughs) we often project that, right? Like this idea of, of this, like this, this fear of this criticism, not even this, not even just specifically around like selling out or integrity, but just in general, that there are people watching me who are spending their energy, like, criticize usually yeah. our own no one cares concerns. about us as much as us <laughs> <laughs> no one is paying attention they are all the stars of their own movie they are just not really and even we have a podcast and nobody cares yeah. about you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have at least 150 people who care and still nobody cares yeah, yeah. i want to say shout out to jelena too i'm sure she's going to hear this at some point one of our most dedicated listeners just want to say just want to say much love um so yeah, let's 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 do it, right? So let's like have a, a very sloppy definition of capitalism, like a system that distributes power based off the private ownership of land and like secondary resources and then like uses labor, employs labor to build profit off of that, right? Like okay. does, eh, that, does that feel eh, sloppily? You know, it feels sloppy, but it's okay. It was intentionally like- sloppy to like get through because like we'll to be, to be neater takes more time. Yeah. Uh and so even if it's not like get rid of it today, we all know that it it is, I think even proponents of it know that it has its limitations, right? So you kind of walking both lines of folks who, that is all they know, and that is the only solution that is forward, and folks that say that that is the only problem and the only solution is getting rid of it. Um, how do you project? I think it's going to take somebody who is genuinely committed to amassing that capital and then giving it all away. And that's the hardest part is like Jay-Z, where you at? <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, like he's really when he's you, the guy. When you I mean and, 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 and I don't not think it's gonna be rich. <laughs> and I, like he's rich, but he's, he's not, not that, that rich. rich. No. And I don't think it's gonna be one person, but I think it's going to be somebody with influence yeah. right. who does, who has, has to that. do it. Right. But not just like here, money fall from the skies, here leveling the playing field, as much as it's also like here are homes that gotta be not even just like tangible assets as much as it is like collective consciousness raising. Like there is this money, but the purpose of you getting this money to do all the things and have the quality of life that you deserve or the, or the way that I'm investing in this and buying all of these things and just giving them away is not because I'm balling outrageous and I'm just giving it away. I'm giving it to it's you. Like a supermarket. It's like, <laughs> there are certain things that are just, human rights and like there's got to be this chain reaction of somebody or a few people with influence who are committed to just giving for the sake of giving yeah but that's like what bill gates does bill gates is giving away no i'm just saying when has when has well here's the thing right when has bill gates ever come to chicago and then come to inglewood and said to you know an apartment building full of renters i just purchased 78 homes in the neighborhood and totally renovated them here are the keys goodbye yeah no I, I, look i'm not my thing was not you know, bill gates is that person my thing was like 
we've kind philanthropy is framed as exactly what you're describing is like rich people quote giving back well here's the thing though that's and that's the thing is i don't think what i'm saying is philanthropy i think that like not in the way that people have defined philanthropy and created this thing i'm saying it in a way of like you either believe housing is a human right or you don't you mm-hmm. either believe healthcare is a human right or you don't. You either believe everyone should have access to those things, mm-hmm. quality things, or you don't. And you're either willing to put your money where your mouth is to just give it and make sure that it happens without waiting on anybody to validate that it should happen or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so all of these constraints and, and, and these tensions and all of these things that say, um, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't or there should be this limitation or this regulation or whatever believe people should have somewhere to live or you don't yeah what do you think about universal basic income oh i'm all in it all for in those, it, all for for those it. Who don't i think know. that's gonna be the only way i think that's the only way right now to even be thinking about gentrification because ultimately after decades of redlining and exploitation and uh overpaying your rent mm-hmm. and your mortgage to stay where you're at yeah we're getting our money back we're owed yeah. it so ubi for those who, you want to mm-hmm. give a little phrase. no go ahead you can start. <laughs> basically it's a, a an econo- socioeconomic theory and proposal um, that actually has a whole lot of juice. Like a lot of people, like it is on the rise and I think mm-hmm. it's something that could tangibly happen. Basically, everybody in the country would get, maybe not, I don't know enough about it, but basically everyone gets a guaranteed small amount of money a year. Uh, it's not enough to live off of, but it's enough that your basic needs are <clears throat> excuse me, are met. So something between like twelve and $20,000. Um, and so the idea is that then when you alleviate that pressure in order to make enough money to survive, then people are able to, one, be more innovative, two, more people are able to just not like starve. Um, and it's just, to, and, and it's a way of repairing exploitation. Because I think, I'll, like, let's say I make... I, I pay $800 a month in rent and then the property value all around my area goes up and now I have to pay, you know, a thousand or $1,100 a month in rent. And I was just barely paying that $800 a month in rent. We're either, I'm either getting kicked out, right. Or there's gotta be some thing that just covers that. But it's, I, I don't think that UBI alone is the answer. I think UBI connected to, a deep and serious infusion of economic opportunity is the point, right? I don't think I don't think UBI is like a cure all that people should get for yeah. life. Yeah. I think it's a situation where it's like, for as long as your environment has created circumstances where you cannot stay, where you were previously up to wherever you needed to be, you should be subsidized so that you can stay. But in the meantime, we're also going to infuse all of this economic opportunity and be thoughtful about labor and be thoughtful about job creation, et cetera, et cetera, so that there is space for you to be upwardly mobile and eventually not need it, bare minimum for just housing needs. Yeah. Like, I think there should be some growth. There should be some opportunity to not necessarily just grow out of it, but when we're doing what we should be for communities that need it there is space for them to be upwardly mobile and so i don't i don't think ubi should be a singular so what you're describing though sorry to cut you off then the second part is different from what ubi is it's not because the premise of ubi is that it is just something that is a given that it's it's not the way you're describing is like a like a like a boost basically as opposed to like something that if we're redefining what we view as a right 
the idea is that a universal basic income is a right. I'm thinking about it for the immediate and the long term. Mm. For the immediate, sure, you'll be able to stay in your house. For the long term, as your area keeps developing, if that amount is stagnant, you still need something else. There's still got to be... And even if that that amount, you know, might just be, okay, this is our family vacation fund or our family mental health fund after you've gotten to a point where you're paying for other things and you've been able to move whatever um, economically, up, up upward mobility, whatever. But I think um, I definitely don't think that just alone it should be implemented in isolation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, nothing is one solution. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm hella for it in, like, in the spirit of it, right? And I think, um, obviously, first, like, in the immediate, it would have such tangible impact. Um, and then I think the second biggest thing is, like, the consciousness shift, right, of um, taking away the stigma from giving people things. Uh, but my my whole thing is that I don't think it um, it fixes the problem of sustainability, Um and, you know, I think what we I think the thing that you're saying that's most important that we need to, like, as a society, stay stay in and go deeper in is assessing need. Right. Um, and so, like, literally how much space, if we want to measure it in square footage, do human beings need to be healthy? How many micronutrients does your body need to sustain itself? And then decoupling need from the money concept and the monetary system overall needs to happen. So, you know, you can give somebody 1200 a month, but the way that our money system works, the prices will continue to rise and that $1,200 mm-hmm. will not mean the same thing. Uh, and so I think, I think what you were saying at first is we just need to give people houses and then we need to give people th- nutritious food so not like some government cheese line but like the basics of what you need should be survival should be guaranteed right so i think it should be universal survival and and the resources because money is this abstract secondary thing that is rooted in debt and so there's no way to like create money without creating more debt which then creates imbalance and violence uh and so like yeah everybody should have one more time so I don't want to go too deep into like the, the monetary system, but the way that every dollar is created is from a loan and that is a debt instrument uh, and that loan is charged with interest. So there is not enough money that exists and never will to pay back all the debt that is owed. And of all the money that is in the money supply, only 3% of it is physical. So to continue this like musical chairs of creating this paper uh, as a way to like assess the needs of humanity is like why we are wasting so many resources and why so many people are struggling. So, you know, we know, we know that the earth provides the vitamins and the vegetables and the shit that we need. Just give people the food. We know that there is enough space for human beings to live distributed equitably. And then, and then we can have some type of system where everybody doesn't have to be like equal, like, you know, some forced authoritarian thing. If you, you know, like, you know, if you want to spend more on a mansion and you want to work and be in the system and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, everybody doesn't need a jet ski, uh, but everybody should be able to eat. Everybody should have shelter. Do you think everybody you would have, have a, medicine. Would you have a jet ski? If yes. I could get it, if I could yes. get a jet ski, <laughs> he would have a jet if ski. If I get a jet ski, he I would, just, know David would but have a jet I don't have a jet ski now. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we need change in the 
man. So, and, and it's so funny because Damon looked like he wanted to hesitate, like Jetski. Like no, 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 no. I have no shame on my love of jet skis <laughs> and Caribbean water. Oh, I want to be there and I want to jet ski. <laughs> I just think I just think that everyone who is me should have an island. You know, there are enough islands for everybody who is me. And I should have my own island. Yeah, but you know what, though? The separating need from money is, yeah. I think, the, the thing. And I think responding to people's needs and deciding what's human rights, etc. All of that infusion of those resources that are newfound still require systems change. They still require deep attitude, belief, culture change for people to even adjust to having those things as a right. Yeah. So for you, you said that the conversation that we would have been having a year ago was very different from the conversation we're having now. Mm-hmm. So that means that you have had some of that change in yourself, right? In what you view as true or how you see the world. Yeah. What has been effective in opening that up for you so that you're formulating more of your own ideology rather than, or I, I don't want to put those words in your mouth. What's been effective for you in leading that shift? Um, I think it was expanding my civic base of like expanding the civic network that I was engaged with. What is I, what do you, what does that mean? Does I that think, mean just talking to more people? I mean, yeah, cuz I think to some degree a lot of the people that I previously were like talked to, I was in my own silo of like I'm progressive, which doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um or, you know, I'm into radical change in whatever way right like so if you're white it means you have an undercut <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what that means <laughs> i've got all these people you know and so then i just met other people that you yeah. know we all want the same stuff we all want safety and security and whatever that looks like is different how we define it among each other is different what it looks like in practice is different but we all value the same two things yeah, people just want to be able to live. People want to live. Be okay. People are emotional. People have flaws. People have opportunities. People have all types of things. And so when you are able to like, and I think this is something that I've gotten really good at, when you're able to take a step back, listen to everybody's experience, regardless of if you would, regardless of if it's an experience that you would embark on on your own, it's theirs and you can't agree or disagree with experiences. Um, and so once you just kind of take a step back, appreciate everyone for just like being the human that they are and are just totally upset, accepting of that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's what you have to learn. And what I had to learn um, was just acceptance of like, you are human. You are figuring it out. I am figuring it out. When I committed to understanding and grace, I saw everything so different. Hmm. when was there like a pivot point of like this is how Um, i'm gonna approach it at the top of 2017 those were my that was my theme for the year understanding and grace and so when i made an effort to just empathize with i might think whatever you're saying is bs i might think that how you're thinking about something or what you're doing is bs or uninformed or bigoted or whatever but when the root of it all is we're all just figuring it out. Yeah, it's what you said before, Dan, of accept things you can't tolerate. Like, it doesn't mean that you, like, let it sit and you go, it's all equal, but you recognize that it is what, like, that people are who they are and they think the things they think 
And they go through things and they have experiences that shape that ideology. And so, you know, I think for me, I'm, I might accept you as a person, but still fight Mm -hmm. whatever it is that I don't agree with. That's cool. That's your ideology. Cool. This is mine. This is how you're practicing that ideology. I don't agree with that. Cool. This is how I'm practicing it. I'm still going to fight you on it. But just generally as a person, I see you. I see. I, that's it. That's all we have to really do. But I see you. It's so tricky when people's ideology is their identity. So when they can't, it can't just be, you have your ideology, I have mine, but we can just be people. Like when their ideology informs the way that they treat you or the way that they talk to you or the way that they walk through the world, like those are so interwoven that unless kind of both people are agreeing to that premise, which a lot of people do not agree to that premise, they go, I am a, you know, they have their check boxes of what their ideologies are and that's what defines them. It's really hard to do that back. Yeah. At least it is for me. I, and I think the thing... I that, think it's like, how you go into it. Mm-hmm. I go into the space defines whether or not you're going to get to that point. Mm-hmm. If you... And like, really, I I, I firmly believe that. And, and, and there are a lot of people who aren't going to agree with me, but I really do firmly believe that like at people's cores, they're just emotional and they're just good. I do believe mm-hmm. that. I do believe that. And or, or at least have the desire to be. Like and, a, or at yeah. least have the desire like, to what be. what is good, right? Because then it, and then. Be- comes real relative but they're not like rotten evil yeah it's it's i just yeah yeah. i don't believe that and so it's like okay you know if you if i walk into it and i've made it very clear that i want to see you people respond to that and and i I like i want to understand where you're coming from i want to see you i want to hear you that's what it is. And I don't, I don't have to like what I see. I don't have to like what I hear, but I need you to know that like your being as a whole is important to me just for being, and I'm going to respect you as such. That's all I have to do. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the thing, and I think I, I kind of hear you, I, I'm like at risk of being like a radical cliche, but like the, 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 I think we crossed that line. <laughs> the like axis that we got to look at always in these type of conversations of like acceptance is, is power. Right. And so it's one thing, like I, I can definitely have that framework for like a Trump supporter, but then like Donald Trump himself or Mike Pence themselves. Right. It's, it's much harder to just, uh, people used to say that about Scalia. And I was having this conversation with a friend. People used to say that as like, every dissent that he writes is all, he's prejudiced, he's this, he's that, he's the worst, right? But then you've got, you know, Notorious RBG, who was like, yeah, no, we hung out, we had drinks, he was my best friend, I really <laughs> liked him a lot, he was a great person. Like, sometimes I think we it just her up shakes a bit. like that. But... Like, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. When you're in the position of someone who makes decisions that impact millions of people, which is like what you're mm-hmm. saying, how you treat an individual is kind of le- like, I don't actually care whether Donald Trump's nice or not. Like, I don't yeah. care whether he has hatred in his heart or not. When you're in a like leadership position or you're in a position where the decisions you make impact so many people, the impact of whether it's your ideology or for whatever reason you're making the decisions, that's what matters. So I get what you're saying on the like person to person. That is definitely the way to approach it. But like when we're talking about so who cares, like how many racist people have a black friend, how many misogynists? Oh yeah, no, for sure. For sure. For sure. You know, like that's not the, that's not the, 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 the playing field here. 
Yeah, and, so, that, and that's a part of it, right? It's mm-hmm. like, like I said, I might not agree with you. I'm still going to fight you if I don't agree with you, right? right? And so, yeah. like, if you're impacting all of these people, like, we can agree to disagree. I could just say that I see you. I never have to interact with you. I don't have to be your friend. But I don't have to think you're a good person. Empathy. But there just has to be and, a layer of empathy so that this doesn't escalate, right? Like, I don't think people think about, when we talk about trauma, I could have one bad experience with you. And, you know, hopefully this doesn't ever happen, but I could have a bad experience with you and you'd be like, you know what? F all black people. And then you come in here and you start looking at Damon different. Oh, no. Like, I just had this bad experience with Morgan. I thought I knew Damon person to person, but Morgan just really trauma. Like, my experience with her really shook me to my yeah. core and now I'm different. Yeah. And so it's not to say that that happens all the time. I don't want to live in this like fantasy world to be naive and say like this is going to happen anytime you have those types of conversations, but it is to say if you walk with love, if you lead with love, if you have conversations with love and like that's your center point and and you just want to see people bare minimum, the hope is that you just don't escalate any farther than what you're doing. Like that this amount of love and depth of being seen is enough to neutralize whatever could have been in you to escalate this any farther. Or at least provide a balance to it so that if it's in there, then there's another voice. And it's not even for them, right? It's it's really (laughs) personal. Cause like, if you can walk with that, then you are in less distress and you can be more effective. And even if you're going to then oppose, you can do it more effectively. So I have, I have uh, before we close out, I do have one close more question. Out. I know. Right. And like, oh, an hour this, is a, so quick. Yeah, this is a question, but like not in the interview. And sense. we didn't even have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> we just stayed. Um, <laughs> and not in the, the interview sense of like, Hmm, what do you think? But like, I really struggle with this personally mm-hmm. based off where we're at. Right. Because um, in relation to harm, I am, I am, I am getting to this place of like understanding and like, you know, you keep looking at sociology, like we're all just impacted by our experience, our nurturing and the genetic code that we have and how those things are interacting. How then, or should we then rethink the concept of accountability, right? Like what does it really look like? Because I can get to a place, especially beyond the like egregious abuses of power where I can accept all I like I don't I don't know how to like address harm at this point right. because it's like most 99.9% of harm is happening because you were harmed or you are not well in some type of way and so like what what then what then do you think in short people are not going to agree with me on this that's cool they're not here um, it, by the time they hear it you'll be somewhere else <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, you know at two, what? At three thirty-five, there's going to be a mob outside of the station. <laughs> Listen, Morgan I, has left the building. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, come what? back next week. <laughs> My um, when I was in college, I had a mentor. Her name was Cece Tucker, and she said, "Shout out to Cece Tucker." My she, <laughs> great mentor name. <laughs> her um, her philosophy was to forgive everything in twenty-four hours, and. I've gotten really, really good at that. I can just forgive it. And not necessarily just forgiving for you, but just forgiving for me. And so once I've passed that I forgive you threshold, this hurt me, but I forgive you. Because mm-hmm. I would rather have you know, an external issue with you than have an internal issue with myself. And if I don't forgive you, I will have an internal issue with myself. Yeah. So I'd rather just neutralize it all. Um is that real forgiveness to neutralize it all? Yeah. I mean, but I'm also like very spiritual. I pray a lot. 
So I'm going to like, if I've got to sit on the floor and cry and pray for three hours to get myself through that, that's what I'm going to do. And so there's that, like I make a real effort because I think a lot of, a lot of things are 20% emotion, 80% choice. And okay. I, I like, think I like, we both like put our heads. You did some math. It really does. It really does. Like I think <laughs> if like I think if you like somebody, you like them. You emotionally like them. You emotionally love them. But like, I like you and I love you because I want to. Mm. And when I decide that I don't want to, because maybe you're hiring me enough, where I'm like, I don't want to like you. <laughs> my emotions start reflecting that because now my mind is like, I don't want to like you. I you love know? that. I love and that. So, I'm going to start saying that. Like, instead of just saying I love you, I want to love you. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. I, I, choose, I, choose, I, choose, to love you. I choose to love you. I, I think all of that is a choice, right? <laughs> and so then when you get to forgiveness, 20%, I'm sad, right? But there's that 80% of me that's like, I want to move from this. Mm. I want to forgive this. Once I hit that forgiveness threshold, I can see your needs clearly. Mm. Once I've like hit that, okay, I forgive this situation. Now, what are you experiencing? What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Like, this is how I felt. This is why I felt how I felt. You know, but what's up with you? Yeah, I like for the- some people they can't get to that. What's up with you? Because they don't forgive. They don't care what's up with you because I'm mad at you. Yeah. And I think that that's like a great personal answer to a very large systemic question. Yeah. How do we collectivize We can't, that? we might not have an answer for the big yet, mm-hmm. but that's a great basis for the like personal and then figure out what strands from that we can use and apply. Yeah. And, and I think it's there. I think we could do it. I think, I think, I think that's very like restorative is, is what I hear in that. So this is actually a great transition. <laughs> it's uh, and we actually talked Throw about this. We actually window. talked about this last week. Cause I, I, I struggle with this uh, and I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of it away uh, because like when we're talking about, about like accountability you know the the public figure that's the hardest for me to just like accept like oh you've been harmed and therefore you are harmful is r kelly right uh and so he he's to me in many ways like he's the worst in terms of public space uh and so trying trying to like complicate that understanding but we're gonna we're gonna stay where we're at because we ain't figured it out yet so we play a game every week and it is our service to the world, to the community. Uh, the work needs to be done. No one else is doing it. So we are here at Ergo Radio. And we use beef as our tool of accountability. Don Quixote-like quest. <laughs> and so there's a, a sect of the world that has run amok. Uh, the previously mentioned is the captain of this sect. Uh, and that is R&B singers. So every week we invite our guests to start beef with an R&B singer. So this is beef with R&B singer with Morgan Malone. Oh, off the man. top of your head. I love R&B. And that is why we are. <laughs> On Twitter, I'm the Morgan Malone. And the? T-H-E? Yep, T-H-E. Okay. And then <laughs> in, <laughs> on Instagram, I'm Morgan, M-I-K-H-A-I-L. And that's it. You can follow us at Ergo Radio. Um, also, a couple of small things. Uh, please leave a review if you rock with us on iTunes. Leave a review and a rating. We never tell people to do that, but we'd appreciate it. Also, you can definitely give us money. We have a PayPal and a Patreon. Uh, just look on ErgoRadio.com at the bottom of the page. Has all that info. I'm at Ergo Kiss. I'm Damon underscore AF. And I'm Morgan. Absolutely. <laughs> but you don't have to take our word for it. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Much love to the people. Peace. <laughs>
Yo, what up? This episode is sponsored by Backblaze Online Backup. It's a simple way to back up all your movies, yeah. photos, videos, music, and all your other data. That's right, data. Ooh. For just $5 a month. It's simple, and you can access all your data. Data. That's right, data. Ooh. Online from wherever you are. I like the way you say data. Try it absolutely free by going to backblaze.com slash C. P? C. Mm. Mm.